Welcome to Oregon Rooted. I'm Higher Peaks. And this is Lady Sativa. You're listening to The Dirt Show. Where we bring you Oregon's cannabis culture. Lady Sativa. Welcome to the Dirt Show. This week we have Cloud Wave Organics. I almost said Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> Cloud Wave Organics. Now, they used to be Golden Beaver Farms. Yes. They had a tragic fire. Now, they were the first farm that we had on the show mm-hmm. and the first farm tour that we did. Great, awesome people. As we've always said, fantastic edibles. Hell yeah. All the products that they make are awesome. and Good guys uh, all around, too. Awesome guys. Uh, you know, basically have had some history now with them. And they had a pretty bad fire that took out their first operation, mm-hmm. uh, which was a medical grow, taking care of a lot of the community over there. Yeah, in Tillamook area, right? Yeah. People really were, you know, looking for their medicine through them. And they were doing a really good job. Anyway, so they had this tragic fire and it took out everything. They've managed to turn everything around and come back as Cloud Wave. And hitting hard. Yeah. These guys just are always moving. And yeah. Their, their place is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. They always look so beautiful and things are always so healthy. They are pushing closed loop, getting those tight you know, tightened up and also getting very tight on the no spray. Mm -hmm. You know, they're all into the biological controls and I'm really, really into it too. I don't, I don't like to have to spray. And my feeling is, is people always say, well, if you're, you know, using biological controls, you're going to have bug parts and stuff. Well, there's already bugs out there. Yeah. And so dead or alive, there's bug parts on your stuff. So (laughs) yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather it not be spider mites and not be russet mites. Exactly. (laughs) You know, we use biological controls this year. We've used ladybugs. Mm-hmm. And we've used praying mantises. Well, we're still waiting on those bitches to hatch. Hey, they take a long time. Take the time. We waited maybe they a little bit too long. Damn good time. And now, after leaving Cloudwave, we they gifted us some kookamaras. Kookamaras. That's and those are pretty cool. And they work. Sounds uh, like kookaburra sits in an old pine tree. Yeah. Why well, saw kookaburras this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> so they are a kind of an opportunistic mite. I was gonna say. So yeah. they like spider mites, russet mites, hemp hemp russets is what some people call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, thrips, which is a big one. Now yeah. thrips have always been a problem. Thrips, I think, are a permanent fixture in our garden. Like when I go out in the mornings, I say hi to a handful of them. They say, "What up, Craig?" Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but the good thing is, is they talk about how you can get a colony of these cucumeras. Yeah, of these cucumeras in your garden, in your area, in your greenhouses, in mm-hmm. your in your uh, farms by by applying them, and uh, they can establish you know as their own little groups. So hopefully that happens here in our in our area, uh, yeah. So that we can get these thrips that are very just a nuisance. 
between the leaf miners and the thrips just bitches but we put those cucumeras up and it actually works it's been a week and the pressure has went back i don't see any at all anymore so and this is i mean this is legit Mm -hmm. so now we did get enough to to put one on almost every plant except for our new ones (laughs) yeah well yeah those are just little cedar plants but we don't need them for every single plant he even said after three weeks we can move them to another plant exactly for up to six weeks exactly and so I recommend using them, especially because in our area, that's we have all those bugs. Yep, exactly. So try them out, and they work really good. A little bit more on the expensive side. I was looking at them to see how much they are, and you're going to spend definitely probably more than you would on ladybugs and praying mantises, but I think it's worth it because you're going to not have to buy any of that spray, and they work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and all you have to do is you just put them up early and, and over a six week period. So it's not like you have to, you know, throw them up at six week intervals and you should have no problems. Not like throw it up, like, <laughs> like just throw them out there to the plants. Yes. <laughs> and I, again, I've seen the pressure die back on the thrips and I don't see any pressure from anything else mm-hmm. except for the, our trap plant, the one we talked about mm-hmm. on uh, the other episode where. It's sit in the corner, She's just grounded. snagging aphids. She's grounded, hanging out with her bug friends. Along with the aphids, I do have a tip that I've seen. There's a couple of farms that, that have said that using just high-pressure water on the plants knocks those aphids off. And when you knock them off and they get off the plant onto the ground, they die. There's nothing they can do at that point. You know, they're they're alive on the plant. That's great and all. And they reproduce, like, better than rabbits. So they come out pregnant, like they're born pregnant. <laughs> little hooahs i I would tend to believe that because i've seen aphids and they're you could find them one day and the next they're just a full bloom and they're just you don't even need a scope they're just big and ugly oh that's nasty uh, the milkweed has been attacked out at work and that's why we don't have um monarch butterflies anymore well yeah and you can use those as trap plants too actually which is an option i've thought about that as an option i miss monarch butterflies so with Cloudwave, though, they are using bio, those full different, all different things. They've used nematodes, they've used the cucumeris, and they've used other options that they'll talk about. But they use a program that we can also put up, or if people want the link to, I can give to. But uh, it's a it's an agricultural program mm-hmm. that, that people can use on large, large crops, and it is effective and works and they explain more about that. But it's just a really cool farm that they're doing all that. Hell yeah, it is. And they're keeping everything, like I said, closed loop, not only with the nutrients but and everything else, but also with they're going to have their own processing and extracting and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, they're building that stuff. Now, on the entertainment side, going up to Portland, was it's always been fun going up to that strange-ass city. Hell yeah. You guys are strange. We like you, though. We I do. do. I love coming up to I Portland. I love the environment. I do, too. And I, I don't, don't think I honestly don't think I could ever live there. It's too busy for me. I am yeah. definitely a smaller town gal. But much love for all the stuff up there and there's stuff to do. And I just the traffic is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I guess if you get climatized to it though. But you know they have the McMenamins. They have a bunch of Mc, uh, or there's a lot of McMenamins, but they have the Grand Lodge there. Yeah, Grand Lodge is in Forest Grove, and then in downtown, it's the Kennedy Schoolhouse 
McMenamins. Yeah. And McMenamins, you want to explain them? McMenamins was Bob McMenamin. He uh, and his and his brother, I believe, they bought a whole bunch of old buildings that were going to get knocked down. Of course, the one that I said before, the Kennedy Schoolhouse, used to be an old schoolhouse that was mixed with a lot of different things, like the Crystal Ballroom, which is considered haunted. Still trying to get you to believe in ghosts. But nope. um, <laughs> there's the Crystal Ballroom and stuff, and that's right in this, you know, the bustle of Portland downtown McMenamins. And that one is seriously like four or five blocks. And it was just an old building and old areas that were going to get torn down there. And then the one that we stayed at was, um, I looked up the history of it, and it used to be a Masonic. Um, Masonic Lodge, yeah. Masonic Old Folks Home, basically, <laughs> is, is what old it used to be. Old Folks Home. Well, it was like for dementia and where basically their family, once they got to a certain age, they just kind of dropped them off there. Yeah, well, it, it was the retirement home for the Masons. Yes. Or that particular uh, group of them. But they also were next to some kids that were the same thing. It was a, a home for what? They uh, uh, attempted to build this house for the, it was the children's cottage. They uh, attempted to build it, but something happened between the two buildings and it was only up and running for two years. Didn't work out too well. Apparently the old people didn't like the kids <laughs> Yeah. or the other way around. And so they were throwing rocks at them. But it was kind of cool. <laughs> or or peanuts, whatever. I had a friend in high school that said, I throw peanuts at old people. Uh-huh. Um, but don't do that. That's mean. That um, is, because you're going to be old someday. I know. But I'm going to be like Mama off of like Raising Hope. I hope so. I'm going to take yeah. advantage of you. I'm going to be running around <laughs> in my bra and, and all crazy. And, but when you were recording this, because I had our daughter with us, and so I had to, uh, I was taking a stroll and camp and picking up um picking up our room but i went and i was looking around the outside and i don't know if i even told you this there's giant slides on the side of the building and it says please don't play on slides i'm like what's that for did they send their old people down if there was a fire i did not see that oh there was two giant slides i'll have to show you the picture i got some cool pictures of it but it was like big steel metal metal uh, slides that yeah. were that were huge like i'm pretty sure you could easily send down like a wheelchair it was at least the size of like <laughs> it was scary like please don't send people down slides like that because by the way the bottom of it just dropped off it went up to about my waist is where the bottom of it stopped and then there was like a chain at the end which i don't think the chain was there probably from the beginning but it's from both sides and i don't know what it's for i wish i could have done the research on it like maybe it was upstairs on the balcony i could have read about it it is an old place it's a 1920s uh, building and mm-hmm. so i highly recommend it it's a great experience and it is a little haunty feeling especially when you get to the third floor it's dark it's, it's called the attic enclosed it feels like an attic but all the artwork's really nice it's really cool they have a japanese pool it's like a soaking large soaking tub and then you know there's so much to see around there you can walk around so the grounds much artwork in this building yeah like and so much amazing artwork and all the mcminimins yeah they have a theater like an outdoor type theater thing and there's i think there's like what what was there five bars no hold on and then just for one there was one two or three bars on every floor and there was four floors yeah something like that so i think and here's the deal because it's no there wasn't one on the attic floor there was only one on the there was like four on the third floor and there was like four on the second floor no two on the second floor and there was three down on the bottom I think because it's 1920s, you need to realize that if you do show up there, that you're not, you bring your laptop 
they do have internet connection, but that's as modern as they get. It's there's no bathrooms that we know of in the rooms and there's no like tubs or showers. You have to go down the hall for that. Now there's a lot of them. They're all clean. You can lock them. They're big. They've got, you know, places to sit private, down, yep. easily handicap accessible. Uh, and like I said, very private and large. And there's lots of there's them. There's lots of floor. them. It's just not in your room. I'm guessing the Same upper with TVs, floors, no TVs. From so. what I noticed, the upper floors don't really have bathroom areas. So I'm guessing that in the basement, that's how it is. And yeah. that the upper floors are probably nicer, bigger rooms. <laughs> but it was... So the bars are needed. <laughs> Not for us. We, yeah, uh, we don't drink. We, but but here's the deal. I can see why. We did a lot. Yeah, to get ice. Because we had a child <laughs> that needed milk. And it was like, instead of... You know how people are like, they put their bottle of champagne on glass? No, we had milk on gl- on That's ice. That's how we roll. Yeah. Great experience, though. And just, you know, it just... It was a completely different side. When you turn in there, It it's like its own like little resort. Tiny little resort where it's it just like... It definitely is. There was wow. two weddings while we were there. One of them was in the children's lodge. And the other one was out on the... Um, out in the grassy area where they do the uh in portland in general is smoke friendly but you know we smoked quite a bit there (laughs) we smoked actually you know out in the parking lot and in select areas like at one of the outside bars and stuff and lady sativa decides she's gonna hit up some dabs in our room she's hitting up some dabs she's gonna hit some dabs she's all fancy so she gets out a little travel kit little pelican imitation bullshit pulls it open puts a little travel rig gets out gets out the blazer two seconds guys two seconds it took two fucking seconds for that alarm to go off i panicked like a mofo oh my god i I jumped up i i was carrying around a dab tool that had his dab on it by the way i'm heating this up for him (laughs) had it had a dab on it and i'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off i'm looking for the dabs by the way that's the only thing I'm that put, he grabbed. I'm putting was in my the pocket. dabs. I'm keeping I grabbed the dabs. Everything else. I had the hot torch in one hand. I had a dab on there, and I'm like holding the dab rig box in my hand, like trying to hide it in any spot because I thought that the whole damn place was coming down on us. <laughs> I thought they were going to be running down the hall. I did too because I'm in a hotel and I it made a freaking like alarm burr, go off. Burr. And and I finally he handed me the dab after I'm like running around still with my head cut off, and I'm like, where's the dab? Where is the dab? Hey, I and stood he up on the bed. Me. I was way because it's right above the bed. Oh God! This, the the reason why is because the ceilings are so damn short, and it's right fucking there. And so it's like I heated it up. It's like the torch was so hot it went straight to the freaking fire detector. Don't worry, folks. Though Lady Sativa is so persistent, she just well, we just open a window, or we'll just lean out halfway oh, no. this okay. way, or just we got this. So a lot of people that listen <laughs> may be in big cities. Um, when you're in a basement apartment or whatever you have that little windowsill outside that's almost like it's level to the ground yeah it's level to the ground but it catches all the rainwater and has a drain below it anyways we had one of those cool little things in the room and i still wanted a fucking dab and i didn't want to bring all that stuff down to the bathroom just to take a dab because the the bathroom of course is all open and they don't have smoke detectors in there because you take a shower so there's steam and so i stuck that bitch out in that little area that's a what it was like two by two out there i stuck it outside completely outside i had to burn off the cobwebs first because they were collected it was kind of fun but i heated it up outside i left it outside let it cool i took my dab out there and blew straight up outside by the way 
don't put the fan in there. It's like a fucking whirlwind. It brings it right back in. <laughs> it was a lot of trial and error. Oh, my God. I think it was the heat that tripped it, though, so I don't think it was a big deal. Oh, it was the heat. Yeah. The, I was heating it up. I had just turned the torch on, so it's not like yeah. anything was billowing off of anything. It's not like I took a dab. That heat went straight up to that fire detector. It went the fuck off. Go blazer. I'm, but I got to say, at least it wasn't that sprinkler head that was right next to it. Yeah, yeah. Because it was seriously, it was within like two <laughs> inches of the fire detector. If that thing would have went off, I would have left the room and I would deny, deny. I would have climbed out oh, that wait, fucking it was under, window. That room was under my name. <laughs> I would have climbed out the fucking window. <laughs> brought the baby. What, with the baby? <laughs> yeah, oh, no, I would put her up there first and jumped out the window. Okay. Bye. So, so plenty of fun to be had there. <laughs> And that's just. That we don't was recommend just dabbing in the room. Moment. You know, if you can dab in your car or dab uh, somewhere more or safe. Or just be creative. <laughs> right, that's my best plan. Or just bring edibles. Uh, one one last tip I wanted to remind people that happened to us this week is there's it's it's been a question on my mind, kind of sometimes, and that is when you go to buy a joint and there's two of you. Oh my god! A pre roll. We'll call it. We'll call it right, a pre roll. When you go to buy a pre roll. Pre-roll. Pre-roll. Always buy two. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. So, do you buy one big one, like a, a like a gram or a gram and a half to share between you, or do you end up getting like two half grams or 2.75, two three-quarter grams to, to, that you can share, and then ha- you have two of them? Well, we've answered that question. You want to buy the two. <laughs> First time it's happened to me, I was smoking on the joint and i had i was gonna flick it out the crack of the window and it sucked it right out the whole thing he laughed so freaking hard he just puts his hands over his face and goes oh shit so get get the two not the one yeah because that would have screwed us always so i just lit up the other one and didn't that, keep it by the that window it was so funny all right so we get hey several tips of the day you're welcome hell yeah but thanks for the hospitality, guys. We we appreciate we you guys having you come up. You treated up. us to lunch. You treated they, us to our place. They sent us uh, with some great edibles again. Uh, really good edibles. They sent us with a 1,500 milligram slab of some Fruity Pebbles, which apparently is a hazard to your health. <laughs> we have not busted into that yet, guys, by the way. Um, this they, was about two weeks ago that we came up and saw you. The, these are the kind of edibles that I'm uh, still a little scared. Yeah, that you got to be careful with. We so. ate those fig. I they kind of look like poo ball. Those I, are those are. What different. was it? A fig? Yeah, they they are very different. They are not awful though. They gave me a good high. Or no, I think it's the baby. closest they can get to vegan uh, edibles. Is what yes, it is. And um, I called it a shit ball because it was brown and in the shape of a ball, and not because it tastes like shit or anything. It, I just called it a shit ball. Yeah, and they sent us with a 15 milligram slab of like watermelon rancher style candies Mm -hmm. which are my favorite because those are easily dosed and sugar-based concentrates are way better for me in my opinion than the oil-based heavier full spectrum you know with more plant material extract in there and i added that up that's 960 for the whole entire thing yeah because they're about 15 ranchers. each. Yeah, they're yeah. 15 each. 15 to 18, I think he said, each. But just a couple of those, and you get a really quick high, and it's really giggly, and it, it goes away in, in a decent amount of time, so you're not just high for four hours and then right to sleep and have a hangover. And it's really nice for, um, like, throughout the day, since they're just, for example, 
we like to take a couple of them throughout the day. And so when, um, like I'll take them like one in the morning, one like around noon and then one in the evening time. And it's, it's really nice just to keep any of the pain or body aches. It does keep the edge off for me. I have actually noticed it right off that it helped. Mm -hmm. I do think if you're in a lot of pain though, you should probably try to do the more full spectrum. Yeah stuff that everybody's used to like i said you got to be careful because you can get hangovers and it can make you really tired but a lot of times with pain and stuff that might be a good thing right especially for sleep so but get to know yourself on that stuff that's really where you need to write stuff down and find out what dosages and stuff like that that really work yeah with the candies it's easy 15 milligrams a piece take one you'll know in a half hour for sure this yeah. stuff is so quick that's what i like about it plus it's so I call it clean, but it's just not, you know, it's just like I said, I get giggly and I don't, a little Mm -hmm. bit looser. It's like having one drink, not five, just one. Yeah. We need to figure out, we we were going to plan on cutting those Rice Krispie treats down so it's different doses. They're they're truly going to be fruity pebbles. We'll just make little pebbles. Little pebbles. Like we were talking (laughs) about like how many we have to separate for them. Like it's got to be like 10 by 20. Right. We're going to be cutting for a while. Yeah. No, but I'm just, those are going to be good. All right. Big special thanks to Matt and Bryce again with Cloudwave Organics. And really, I hope you enjoy the show. They do touch on, again, several things during the interview that are really good, as I call it, nuggets of information. Nug- yeah. Nugs of information. These guys are very knowledgeable. And well, man, they can fucking grow some weed. Yeah. Yeah. Those and plants were gorgeous. They're personals. Yeah. And we're going to um, try to develop a strain. We're going to work with some of our stuff, some of our genes and some of their genes. And I think we're going to work towards maybe a... What was it? They gave us straight blueberry. They gave us two strains that we're going to use to try to use for breeding and try to come up with our own strain for the podcast. Hell yeah. But I want a good strain. I'm not going to settle until we find something that's decent. So, But with help with the help from them, they're going to be able to do a lot of pheno hunting that we can't. And... They're awesome growers. Thank you guys again. And uh, here it is. Cloudwave Organics. Organ love. Organ love. All right. Welcome back to the show, guys. It's good to have you here. Hey, it's really good to see you again. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, yeah it's been like, three years now and a lot's happened. So let's start from the beginning. Well, where we left off, really, uh, back in 2016. Oh, yeah. So you came out to the farm just as we were starting to get things going. Um, I think you were one of the first people to see the essential oils that we were distilling out of the buds. And uh, We were a medical farm at that point in time. We were considering going into recreational. Um, but the fees required and the cost of the fences and stuff uh, were keeping us from doing that. So we spent a couple of years just really feeling the pinch. Um, and we weren't sure what we were going to do. We were looking for an exit strategy, something different. And... Uh, Last October, I think it was like the 17th or something like that, um, we had a catastrophic fire at the barn. And uh, I was there when it happened. I tried to put it out with fire extinguishers and a hose and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, the barn burned to the ground, man. It was really harsh. And That's brutal because it was, uh, I mean, that was a, it had to have been a fairly big fire. It was huge, yeah. Yeah. And what about the surrounding? I never got a chance to ask you about the surrounding woods, did it? No, the uh, the volunteer fire department oh. showed up pretty quickly, and they were able to keep it from spreading. Um, it kind of damaged uh, the trees that were nearby, but it didn't it didn't spread out of the barn area. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, there was high enough humidity around; the grass didn't catch, and everything was contained to the building. And that was just had to do with electrical. <laughs> yeah, it was 
bad electrical. Yeah, bad electrical. So, I mean, at that point, you had to have been pretty. I don't know if it was nervous or anxiety or oh, what. It was, I didn't know it was coming next. Like we were just about to harvest, so yeah. we had thousands of dollars in electrical bills and no income. I was out there for a couple of weeks. Well, we got the power back on and stuff like that, and then um, I came over the hill here into uh, the valley and uh, stayed with Bryce. And it was, I, I didn't know what was coming next. I uh, looked for a job trimming at one of the big grows in Forest Grove. Um, but a couple of days after I got here, uh, we had a meeting with Linda Ashragi from Ashragi Nursery. Uh, we had thought that maybe she had gotten this marijuana growing operation that she had been talking about mm-hmm. and running. Uh, we were going to see if she'd hire us to work at it. Um, but when we met with her, she wasn't able to, she hadn't gotten it running. She had run into some licensing difficulties and things had just kind of stalled out for her. So uh, we proposed if we could help her overcome those licensing hurdles that she hire us. And so we've been working with her since, uh, I think, In early November. Early November, yeah. Um, and that's just been a, just a tremendous opportunity, like that tragedy that struck. I mean, it really felt terrible at the end of that. Everything we had done for five years is just gone, right? Um, and if it hadn't gone that way, our stretch goal was to maybe get a small greenhouse up on one of the hills and to, whatever, a year later have 30 greenhouses that are much more beautiful than anything we would have ever <laughs> been able to put together. It's, yeah. just, it's just been fantastic. Well, and what a great outlook on that. I mean, you know, even if you have to start at ground zero again, so to speak, uh, you know, building it back up, it sounds like you guys had a lot of passion for it and you were going to stay in it anyway. Hopefully, but you can't ever tell, right? No. Sometimes it tries to shake you off. Well, this, yeah, and this new partnership seems to be working out for you. Yeah, Linda's got uh, decades of experience in the nursery business. And uh, I had actually worked for her a few years ago. And uh, yeah, like you said, we were looking to help her just on her grow, but uh, she didn't have any experience in the marijuana world other than as a casual consumer. Um, She could see the opportunity in it. Yeah, but she didn't know how to navigate that path, and that's what we brought to the table. And that's great. She, she had this immense infrastructure, but uh, little, you know, expertise in the the business of marijuana in Oregon, at least. And so, uh, yeah, we were able to bring our uh, expertise to the table, and she brought hers. And yeah, that's great. And it seems to be working out. She seems to be a really nice person. Oh, she's great. Yeah, yeah and the property is beautiful out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we got video and pictures to share with that. Um, it's it's just a beautiful place to be. Now, you guys started out this year with him. Yeah, we were we were hoping to uh, get the license closed really quickly last year, but um, it took a while to get through the OLCC hurdles. <clears throat> so in March, we're like, okay, we're not going to plant for this year for OLCC. What should we do? And so we decided to pursue the hemp. Well, we were able to get the licensing from the Oregon Department of Agriculture in a matter of weeks, and the county was really it was just so easy because of what we had done in the medical community we had amassed a nice collection of uh, quality high cbd genetics that we weren't planning on cracking anytime soon but this was the uh, this was the chance for it so we yeah we started germinating some seeds in march um picked some likely winners we did some early genetic testing um and i I think we got just under three acres in the field and a couple of greenhouses we're going to do feminized seed in the greenhouses with some hepa filters out in the field are growing just for biomass has that been a big challenge with the hemp because i don't you guys were thc before Mm -hmm. and now that you're on hemp has it 
You know, the, the, the way that a lot of people are doing hemp is different. We're doing it. We planted it this year as if it was cannabis. We grew these great big plants and we put in these big holes and filled them with compost. And, um, and you know, we've got these six, seven, eight foot tall giant mm-hmm. bushes. And that may or may not have been the right way to do it. Uh, we were talking about that just this morning about um, harvesting. What are we going to do to get through those stems, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know maybe chainsaws (laughs) Um, yeah and a lot of people don't realize that there's a big difference between you know like a the way a hemp for you know material textiles and stuff grows compared to you know a hemp plant that is grown for resins oh for sure i mean you basically if you're growing for cbd content you kind of want to grow it like a typical right but you want to lighten up on the uh, fertilization okay and we decided not to go with the plastic that was that's the mm-hmm. typical solution but this was a small enough operation um if, when next year when we're doing more acreage i think we're going to go with like a shredded straw mm-hmm. mulch how hard is that to source does that seem to be pretty easy a lot of guys just seem to lay the plastic and that's it yeah i mean that's the easiest solution it's the lowest cost mm-hmm. but um if you just use standard plastic then that goes straight to the landfill and you have all the additional cost of dealing with the plastic yeah. at the end of it and if you're using the the new um, uh, plastics that break down in the course of the year I think they're making them out of thistle or something mm-hmm. like that that costs about the same as the hay so I see um, now so I, that that plastic <clears throat> is replaced every year if it's doesn't break down yeah 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 if you get the cheapest plastic you got to replace it every year um, and it takes labor to mound up the sides and plant it right otherwise the plastic tears up your plants sure yeah, yeah. that plastic in the hot sun too it's cooking your microbes right, right oh, to death right like yeah. so i think cover crops either mm-hmm. using like the uh, uh what is that like clover the dutch yeah, white clover, yeah, dutch white clover. Yeah. or like a nice mulch like the straw or maybe a combination of the two maybe straw around the plants and dutch white clover in between the rows you can smother the weeds um, we're also looking at next year at using a flail instead of uh, mowing like um traditional no-till kind of culture where you break the stem and bend it over and just sort of use the weeds to smother themselves yeah yeah Uh, i noticed that you guys one thing i've I've noticed a lot about you guys over the last few years is that it seems like your goal is to really get away from like sprays and and get more of a uh, kind of a closed loop system and and uh, always been very resourceful so can you explain kind of what your goals are on that well yeah just that having this land that had been under conventional agriculture there's been a lot of pesticides and fertilizers applied and well that made sense for nursery plants because they're not food right it doesn't make sense for what will be medicine um so no i'm assuming a lot of this stuff is still sitting in in the soil is that or you know we've had soil analysis done we've had the water analysis Uh done and there's there's some traces i see uh but it's it's not terrible yeah yeah, but well, it's just below been, normal food level. Sure, it's just the fact that it's been in the environment there. And just to phase that out of certain yeah. acreage that doesn't have that anymore, yeah. um, have a little oasis and mm-hmm. sea of other agricultural land that sure. isn't that way. And and those pests have also been conditioned with the pesticides that it's been so uh, such harsh selection processes that I don't. I mean, they're they're not wiping them out. We watch the pesticide guys move, just sort of herd the pests around, right? Um, <laughs> All right, we'll just move for a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, with with the, I mean, there's spider mites. There's there's any kind of pest you can think of that's really well established in this area, and I don't think that we'd be successful uh, trying to use OMRI listed pesticides to combat them. So we've gone with um, 
biological controls and we've been putting them on heavy and early and we just had a lot of success with that we've watched the pests come in and be pushed back by what essentially becomes like the plant's immune systems after these cultures get established and uh our hope is that after a couple of years, we won't have to in introduce so many that they'll become the thing. You know, we're soaking the, the ground with nematodes. We're we're putting the uh, cucumbers out, and they'll they'll establish themselves. And so our hope is to sort of improve the quality of the parcel as we work it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and it seems like you know, going through your garden yesterday, it seemed like you know, we you, I did see some pest pressure and stuff. Oh, yeah, but, you see thrips damage. Yeah, and, but honestly, you know, it didn't seem one it didn't seem like it was that much heavy pressure or anything but also too it just it seemed like what most guys run into it didn't seem like anything out of the norm it seemed like it was under control is what i guess what i'm saying well yeah i mean I've, I've, there's been times especially when those spray guys come through when they started emptying those greenhouses out there was all of a sudden things just kind of blew up i'm like and i didn't know how it was going to play out but um our bugs overcame those yeah, bugs that's and awesome it's nice it's uh Typically, if you try to reach for these biological controls after you've already got a problem, it, you won't be successful, right? If you start implementing them right from the get-go, uh, then you can be successful. Obviously, that's what you did, and it does seem like you're successful. Is this something that you think you can be, like, consistently, or you'll be able to... to it's hard to for the pest insects to build up a tolerance to being eaten. I mean, this is what's going on, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I have no argument on it. I have nothing to say. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the beneficial insects we're introducing, uh, yeah, they just straight up eat the other things. They're not, they're not introducing yeah, any sort of right. chemical there, thing they can no, build immunity yeah, to. There's like, no immunity being eaten. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So, so um, is this something that you're going to continue, I assume, but are you going to um, expand that? Is there is there well, other bugs you're going to get into? I don't. We've got we a, don't we've got a pretty good uh, protocol right, right now. now? Okay. I'll, I'll provide you with a copy of. Yeah, what you we're were doing. saying it was from a particular. Yeah, there's a company in Canada, uh, Bioagronomics, okay. um, and then uh, the local people who distribute that as uh, evergreen grower supply, um, both of which I highly recommend. When we first started working with Linda, we had the opportunity to meet the owner of Evergreen and the owner of Bioergonomics. They came down to talk to her propagation manager at the nursery. And her propagation manager had changed the propagation greenhouse from traditional culture to biological controls over the last few years. And uh, the cutting take rate went way up. The room was much cleaner. It was just made a really beautiful environment. And these guys came down to see what she had done and also talked to us about how to implement that with marijuana. Because bioagronomics being a Canadian company, uh, they've had a program since like 2014 laid out for taking care of uh, cannabis. And so we've essentially followed their recommendations, including some of the companion planting we're doing. They uh, suggested that you um, put sunflowers in the middle of your crop and we totally got caterpillars all over our sunflowers and not one in our cannabis. Hey, I like this. Because yeah, so. we have a large caterpillar issue in Southern Oregon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, playing a lot of sunflowers right in the middle. Yeah. Um, I, I, for me, I've noticed uh, praying mantises, on a, at least on a small scale, because I've never done it large. But praying mantises, for me, if we stick them out August 1st, then two or three weeks later, they're, they're hatched. And those guys go to town on whatever worms are on there at that point, which is about when they start really show, getting to the point where you can see them. And uh, 
So that seems to be okay, but we still heavy pressure on the cats. So that's good to know, and we yeah. like sunflowers. <laughs> yeah, they're nice. I mean, they so also do make you, a good temporary windbreak. And then the yeah. alyssum that we planted too, the, the little white flowers that we've got around the border, uh, those tend to harbor the parasitic wasps that'll eat the caterpillars as well. Nice. So okay. if you put a little alyssum around the edges and you put some sunflowers in the middle, that'll help you out with your caterpillars a lot. Great. Uh, so do you get rid of the companion plants as they get bugs or do you like would you leave Sometimes the sunflowers like a catch plant yeah we left the sunflowers because we could uh, identify the caterpillars on them and kill them we've we've grown some beans that they catch some mites more than right, other things right. and we can just and eliminate you, those okay because I've heard it both ways. Yeah, some, it depends on how much they get. We put them out as trap plants, and yeah. if they just get super infested, we throw them out. But sometimes we, there's so much of the beneficials living on them that it just they get they come to eat the beans and they stay for dinner, right? Like, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've noticed that even like with the aphids that we had dealt with this year, they just seemed to. I got it one bat, you know, one plant that had some issues, but they really didn't spread. Is there there's companion planting, and there is um, your your beneficials and such. Is there any other step in that that kind of? Yeah, you know, we either try to inoculate the soil with uh, microbes. Mm -hmm. um, um, and you're talking on a large scale on that. Yeah, you know, fortunately, like the the irrigation in that field, uh, we've got that um, dosatron hooked up to, so we're able to uh, introduce um, inoculants into the irrigation system. Right, as we wa we can just water it in. So when we're putting out nematodes, we can just put nematodes over the whole acre and a half just by dumping it into one bucket. It's uh, it was a suggestion from one of the nursery people, and it's just been a tremendous boon. Um, Let's see, we're doing the lactobacillus. What's uh, we were we're using this armory stuff now because uh, initially we were making lacto because that's what we do. But boy, uh, the scale it wasn't uh, we yeah, couldn't keep up with it. Of milk to make it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, have to go to a dairy farm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. The arm the armory product is great. It's some BT and some lactobacillus, and mm. yeah, it uh, seems to be effective against a lot of their animal pests on the leaves and such. Yeah, and you were making a good point yesterday that um, there's a really, uh, you know, one uh, endomycorrhizae that really works with cannabis, and you guys have been inoculating with that. Did you want to mention that at oh, all? Oh, yeah, the, uh, uh, the Glomus uh, mm -hmm. intradices. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, I had gone to a, a talk by uh, Jeff Lowenfels, um, who wrote um, Teeming with Microbes mm -hmm. uh, one, uh, several months ago, and one of the points, he was talking about autoflowers, but one of the points that he made was that there was only one strain of mycorrhizal that had proven uh, uh, synergistic companionship with cannabis and um, at that same talk I met uh, Ari Singer um, who's from Israel mm -hmm. he's got a company in Tel Aviv that makes uh, a mycorrhizal inoculant that is the Glomus intradides and he's also got a second one a Glomus Maasai that he says um, seems to help and so we did some test runs we put it into one row in the field and there's an obvious difference. I mean, it's hard to quantify. They say 10 to 15%. And, you know, I wouldn't argue with that. But after after two weeks after the transplant had sort of set, you could see that they were bigger and greener and lusher. Um, and we did see that picture. I did see that one. Oh, yeah. and it, it was the picture didn't do it justice when you can actually see yeah. the plants. They really... Uh, what was good about the picture, though, is you could see the difference. So maybe not as... You know, maybe the perception of it wasn't as good, but it's still, you could see that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean and there's so, uh, you know, to, to talk to some experts that have some real science, like the uh, the Vashon Island marijuana enthusiast stuff they put on, like, once a quarter. That's some of the best cannabis talks that I've ever attended. Mm -hmm. And it seems like really taking care of the soil really has an effect on the terpenes when it comes out. 
Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I've been growing for a long time. I used to grow uh, hydroponically, you know, I've grown in Rockwall, I've grown in Hydroton and all that stuff. And I used to grow these great big buds, whatever. But um, since I moved to soil, and even more so since I moved to living soil, uh, the quality of the product just gets better and better. Like I used to measure how well I was doing in the weight or the yield or whatever. But when you consider the terpene content, and since we were getting stuff tested by the lab, I mean, we can see it getting better and better by the year, better every crop as you use the same soil. And yeah, I'd never go back. Um, and once you've got it working, once you've got your uh, communities established, then you don't even have to input much, right? Like you're just watering, you're throwing a little bit of top dressing on between crops, a little bit of cover crop here and there. It's, it gets easier and easier and better and better. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard that. Obviously, that's probably true with him. I mean, the quality of the resins that you'll get out, maybe the quantity. Yeah, you got to be careful, though, because it's real easy to push the THC over. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, that's what you were talking about yesterday, being hot. Yeah, we can, We try to, you know, we very lightly fertilize. We put a lot of microbes and stuff in there, but we... <laughs> Interesting <laughs> that you kind of have to tiptoe around it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, this just, magic number, yeah, all just, of a sudden it doesn't work. Just right? don't push the THC. Just, <laughs> just be gentle. <laughs> are, there, are, are there pitfalls in that, or are there ways for farms to be able to deal with some of that? Yeah, you know, the way that it is right now is if you test hot, um, you can't sell the flour, but you can have it processed process as down. test the end use. So we're growing for biomass anyway. We don't intend on selling any flour, but the flowers and the money is you can get whatever, $350 a pound, something like that. When they, when you guys do sell as biomass, can you, what, what do you mean exactly? Can you tell us what that means? Well, uh, we're not going to sell the biomass. We're going to process it ourselves, okay. but that's, that's that's everything that you're taking off the plant. So it'll, you probably, you'll use a decorticator, you'll pull the stems out, but it'll be all the sun leaves, all the buds. It's just all the green matter off green the plant. Green matter. And so they, and then someone else, if they get that biomass is going to process it. Yeah. We're, we're going to build a processing facility, yeah. but um, typically you don't have a processing facility. So yeah, then at that point you've gotten it tested and you'll get a certain amount of dollars per pound based on points of TA of a uh, CBD. No. Right. So can they process uh, CBD grown hemp as uh, like textile stuff or is it just kind of useless except it for the... It depends on the strain, but okay. typically it's not no. grown from that right. same technique. But the, the tall, you know... Yeah, you, you could potentially little, do that. You, yeah. could, you could get a, a, a well-rounded CBD seed textile thing. Maybe. We have a strain that would be good for that, but oh, yeah, we do that. it seems you're trading one for another. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. We've got that one strain. We're calling it Fat Auto, and it's a it's an Auto 2 that was selected for high-protein seed content. It's like 26% protein in the lab results. Um, but it's also up to 41, uh, a 40 to 1 uh, CBD ratio. Wow. And it's also the ones that we're growing are like 12 or 15 feet tall with wow. really woody stalks. So I think, hmm. I think that it's possible to have one plant that can suit all of your hemp needs depending on how you grow it out sure sure yeah um, i mean it's tall but no one's going to be growing hemp indoors anyway so not for textiles <laughs> not for textiles yeah not, not for not for protein seeds no, no, right no, no. <laughs> that's what i'm interested in i wouldn't i wouldn't mind having a supply of uh of seeds like that not to grow but for nutrition i understand that they have uh the full profile of what is it? Uh, I don't know if it's amino acids or proteins or yeah, something. Mega have, fatty acids. Yeah, they yeah. have like the full, whatever, the full yeah, spectrum. Yeah, all three of them have full spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> so with, uh, with you guys being on the nursery grounds now, 
is there other challenges like with the greenhouses and um, with with what's going on on that property? Is there other challenges that you? Oh, well, we gotta update some of the greenhouses to accommodate for cannabis. Um, nice thing is you do have the greenhouses, right? Yeah, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, just like watering from below instead of above. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then installing the HEPA filters uh-huh. so that we can make our feminized seed in the greenhouses without. Uh, filling our neighbors hemp fields with seed <laughs> or messing up our internal uh you know uh, thc cannabis grow inside of the warehouse yeah and that is a concern for you guys uh we're taking steps to make sure that it's not we've got hepa filters on the air intakes of our indoor grow and we've got HEPA filters great. on the outflow of our greenhouses um nothing's 100 percent, right yeah. but uh we're taking all the steps that we yeah. can we yeah. want to be good neighbors yeah and we want to be good to ourselves so. that's good that's really awesome uh there's a lot of people that do want to do that but obviously there's mixed players in the game so yeah. <laughs> it's tough when we get all this acreage going you know like i said jackson county is one of the biggest counties in oregon for hemp growing and that affects a lot of people. There was just a little bit last year in Hills in, the, in Washington County, and there's a lot this year. Yeah, it's amazing. I can't believe how late everybody went into the ground, too. I but know. again, I'm always thinking like cannabis, so maybe that's the way to do it. Yeah, no, you're right. A lot of people went in late, and I don't know if, I don't think everybody was completely ready 100% to go hemp at the start of the season. You know, we reached out to the ODA and asked if they had best practices at the beginning of the season. They said that our, uh, we'd be better off talking to other farmers. <laughs> Well, there you go. <laughs> and yeah, we didn't have other farmers to talk to. So we're trying to position ourselves as the experts when we can, you know, or at least pull in what we know. Um, anyway, we're always learning, of course. I mean, the strain selection was a thing. We didn't uh, grow high CBD crops last year, other than for a little bit of seed production. And so, yeah, I mean, you had to switch gears completely. Yeah. So yeah. you know, we, we're growing out six strains this year. We found two that are not going to come by next year. Um, Four out of six. Four out of six. We're going to look at. Yeah, we still don't have results for all of them yet. Okay. Pretty promising. But good. good but, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two of them look real great. So would you consider that a success? Success oh, as a farmer yeah. to, to oh, have yeah, four yeah. that are good and two that may. may or yeah, may we not. were able to fill the fields. So. Okay. Yeah. Was it hard to source the different? You know, we had a tremendous amount of luck. Um, huh. uh, about two years ago. Um, I was giving a demonstration on steam distilling cannabis terpenes, mm-hmm. and a guy from uh, down your neck of the woods um, who had a hemp farm, he was the only person I knew with a hemp farm, uh, came up to attend the talk and um, he brought seeds from his farm. So we had three or four varieties that were already proven. They had been harvested, tested, and uh, we cracked those. We had great germination rate. And, been working out for us yeah and we had another strain that i had uh, got some clones from some hype cbd i was just gonna use that to supply our medical patients and uh one of them turned out to be a clone from a male so i had a male and a female of two sets of strains that were all high cbd so just screw those out to get some seed thought mm-hmm. that you know maybe i'd sell some of those or whatever and it wasn't real interested in them for our own grow but then they were sitting there when we were ready to do it. So it was, yeah, again, tremendous amount of luck. <laughs> are you guys, guys going to start, uh, you know, again, this is hemp for me is new. So are you guys going to do your own seeds now or, or do yes. your own kind of breeding program? Or I don't know how yeah, we'll do our own hemp. breeding program. I mean, we'll look at some other genetics that we've gotten along the way. Um, but you'll start getting closed loop with the, the seed thing. Yeah, yeah. We'll, start, we'll go through. We've already picked out some exceptional individuals that were early flowering okay. this year. Yeah. And we're going to keep on working yeah. it but um we're also gonna uh 
for next season, we're going to sell starts and um, clones of our best stuff that we have already had. To, whatever is the best that we've got from this year, we'll uh, be taking early orders, like That's in great. the winter. And see, uh, we'd love to make you so with a nursery. Linda's shipping product all over the all over the continent, mm-hmm. right? Um, we'd love to be doing that with the with clones, mm-hmm. right? We'd love to, sure. uh, and then as uh, national legalization comes on, then with cannabis clones, right? We'd love to just be shipping yeah. truckloads of mm-hmm. uh, cannabis. Organ hemp and cannabis. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that. so you guys are gearing up for the potential, uh, or for that day that the we, borders open up. We want to be right there. Yeah. Ready. I think go. that's really smart. Cause you know, it's just we're heading that way. Yeah, and then, like he says, the infrastructure is in place for shipping already. If we can develop the technique for hemp. We can cross it right into marijuana, and it could be just the same. But yeah, and think. I mean, I can't. I can't see why once it's federally okay that the USPS wouldn't just enjoy all those extra packages. Oh, okay. <laughs> Damn, They're used to the smell. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny enough, I do have a couple friends at the post office that work there, and at least I do. I don't know about up here, but in our in our valley. Uh, you know they know that they ship a lot of stuff that and even if they run into something it just gets uh, destroyed because i think they've got dea co-located here in portland <laughs> that's no good <laughs> no, that's no good but it's a yeah it's where all the packages that we were going to go through so yeah but yeah like i, I just don't like think you they say i think they probably destroy they it it's it's pretty low take it home yeah yeah, we've uh, we've acquired an OLCC license. Um, we've got it in a seasonal shutdown mode right now. But mm-hmm. as as we finish harvesting the hemp and start processing it, we'll finish the build out and start moving into. Uh, yeah, we'll probably start with somebody else's genetics just so that we can get some quality clones in there. Uh, and then in the spring, we'll do a great big um, pheno hunt. We'll fill up a couple of those greenhouses with our old strains that we've. I was going to say, are we going to see the return of the king cake? Will yes. Yeah, we've got, we've got that. <laughs> Back cross with some Cindy 99 that I'm really excited to take a look Ooh, at. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I think we get some F3s of it too. So oh, really nice. Good. Nice. I really enjoyed that king cake and growing it. It's now out of my seed bank, so I'm going to have to acquire some more for the bank. Yeah, we'll make some seeds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll definitely be making seeds. That's kind of what, I mean, we're going to have our finger in every portion of cannabis, but uh, the breeding is really something that's important to us. Yeah. I don't know. You guys have been able to do so much with the cannabis and CBD. I know that in the previous years you've done things like CBD CBD dog biscuits and, uh, you know, people that used them said had good feedback yeah i gave it to my dogs so yeah yeah and they, uh, seems to be helpful a lot of anxiety i mean it's similar things that humans would humans experience they just need a much much lower dose than a human sure would take. But, sure uh, um, but you were making edibles for people as well well we'd always been doing you know the cannabis edibles or whatever mm-hmm. but i was i was kind of uh i don't know i was skeptical about cbd right people were really into it mm-hmm. and it wasn't easily quantified or whatever but when i made a batch of cbd dog biscuits and i just saw the immediate effect on these dogs i mean there was no question about it and dogs don't front right like, yeah no they're... so uh at that point i really embraced it and um there's a lot of misconceptions about what cbd can and can't do out there but it's a it's a really powerful substance and there's not a lot of room for abuse so um yeah we're gonna move ahead we're making some creams and lotions and this type of stuff but uh personally like uh I've been putting a little bit in my coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, As a tincture? Or? Yeah, I've got it just in some mm-hmm. uh, some coconut-based mm-hmm. MCT. Uh, and then um, I also like it in lollipops. And I know it's just sugar or whatever, but... Uh, 
Why are you so against sugar? Because sugar feeds cancer, you know? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm trying to justify why I like it so much. Yeah, it's delicious. Yeah, man, you got spots in your tongue just for receiving You know, but it, since I made the switch and I won't eat slave-produced chocolate anymore, I eat a lot less sugar. Yes, yes. And I, thankfully, I have developed a taste for dark chocolate which i hadn't had in the past so that's that's my excuse for chocolate but <laughs> a real good dark chocolate you can't get that fake stuff no yeah if, and if, or, if, if it's organic companies. it's gonna be from south america so you don't have to worry about slavery okay good yeah yeah you got that great one down in ashland i'm forgetting their name at chocolate factory down there it's pretty good too yeah yeah for sure <laughs> so you guys are going closed loop uh, is in terms of you're going to have your CBD and then you're going to process it yourself gonna, on yeah, the process. Yeah. So that's going to be a processing lab mm-hmm. on the property for that. Are you going to try to close loop THC in the future as well? Like make a separate lab for that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Short answer, yes. And, uh, so you're going to have this whole system kind of like... Yeah, there'll be a, 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 a seed production facilities for both mm-hmm. hemp and cannabis. There'll be processing facilities for both hemp and cannabis. And uh, we'll be producing some high quality flower with the indoor cannabis grow and some decent field cropped hemp uh, that's sort of side by side on the same eight acre yeah. parcel maybe we'll spread out to some bigger but it, that's it, for the next bit that's when um it's really exciting i mean it especially really- to, to come from to come from you know we were just struggling so hard to get by in the medical community and they kept on regulating it regulating mm-hmm. it to like when you had to do metric entries and i think the final part we went to an olcc presentation and I asked him, I'm like, so if we go through all of these hoops, what's our path to market? And the guy laughed at me and said, there's no path to market for you. At that Ouch. point, I decided that we had to do something else. Yeah. But what, what that was going to be, there was uh, no clear path forward, right? Like, So many small Oregon family farms weren't able to make that transition. Mm. So we're highly fortunate. Yeah, and I mean, Linda's been successful with her nursery. Uh, she looked at cannabis and thought that it was starting to bottom out, that the overproduction had already sort of happened to come in and get it running now and just not not have that pressure every month oh we got to swing some pounds so we can cover the mortgage or whatever that it's it's not Mm -hmm. it really takes a lot of pressure off and we can take a a longer view a little breather if you will yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) the stress level goes down when you're not struggling that's hard yeah yeah and i know that transition for a lot of farms uh, you know they some of them jumped in early on the olcc thing Mm -hmm. but but there's some medical farms that tried to push through, and it's just been getting worse and worse. Yeah, the ever-changing rules was the, really the hang-up, right? I mean... Makes it impossible to plan. Yeah, we were mm-hmm. giving away pounds of weed to our patients and then being charged e, right. for them. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Was, <laughs> and then we weren't allowed no to way. sell it. It, yeah. it was really, really just hard. Brutal, <laughs> it's a brutal spot to be in, really, yeah. at the end. Um, and there's guys still stuck in that loop, not knowing what to do. If they just yeah, the OHA has just made a terrible mess of it honestly we were just hoping that they would just buy our crop and distribute it to patients that would have been the ideal story. hey that's sounds smart though and they proposed that and then there wasn't money in it for them or something i don't know of course I, not yeah I, it's not there's no money in it for you guys <laughs> inter- interfacing with the government's been really difficult but with the Oregon department of agriculture they've been really great uh, it's a, an exception to the rule of the interfacing with the government they want to have us be successful and they yeah they help encourage it they, uh, if we ask about a problem they'll search a solution you know and uh and then we're also and then uh, since we're working as a team now and it's not just the two of us um uh, candace manager is on our team and she was linda's bookkeeper at the nursery for years and now she's like our compliance officer and our government liaison person so that's awesome you know and it's really good to hear 
that you guys are trying to you know keep it all all within the farm uh, mainly i think is that you guys have always been putting out really good products whatever you decide to dabble in in terms of like you said the edibles or the tinctures or creams or lotions or whatever has always been really good quality and i don't know if that's just because you guys got skills to make things it's you know we or you so, just some stuff so doesn't many, go out so some stuff know? we make doesn't go out right only things that we're satisfied with products that we like and would use ourselves yeah. okay. so um, it just seems to be effective like your edibles you know were yeah. effective they again we're always learning and refining the process yeah. and making it easier to make but maintaining consistency mm-hmm. i mean consistency is a big part of it i had medibles from all sorts of people uh-huh. and the same person makes the same thing one time to the next it's just variable um yeah that's the thing is the, the homogenation is terrible usually measures is a big part mm-hmm. of that like making high quality yeah. stuff and well and and starting with quality product and starting with the right product you know i mean i don't i don't know because i don't make edibles like you guys do but it seems like that you know there's ways you can make edibles that are tastier and you know yeah uh, there's stuff that works more effective flavor wise there's yeah. stuff that works um, and you know if once you put the cannabis into the coconut oil or the butter the butter or coconut oil doesn't behave the same way right it's mm-hmm. now so you can't just copy a recipe and swap it out for cannabis butter or whatever so um yeah, I don't know, man. And just like doing it for yourself and your friends and like, you know, our patients and stuff like we, our, our first LLC was called Test Kitchen, right? I used to have people over once a week and make them trim for an hour <laughs> and then they had <laughs> edibles and give me feedback on them. And, uh, That's the kind of party I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm going to do that when we go to trim ours. <laughs> Good answer, man. Yeah, <laughs> Keep so, those hands busy. <laughs> you can't trust your own, uh, your own taste at a certain point. You got to put it out there and get feedback from other people. Yeah, well, and it's kind of subjective, you know, right. uh, taste, smell, um, yeah. and they're so interlinked that, you know, we I know that I don't like certain smells that you may like, so yeah. that means my flavor tastes are going to be completely different. So, yeah, personally, I don't like pineapple flavor, but that's a best-selling candy when we're doing that. Right? Is <laughs> like, it? Yeah, I mean, oh, I mean mm. people. I hate people banana. like stuff that I don't like, you know. And yeah, I can't just use right, right, right. judgment. Is there a difference between an edible with a sugar base and an edible with like an oil or fatty base? Because I get better effects for me off sugar stuff. And that yeah. could be my sweet tooth. I, I agree, you know, and it has a lot to do with how we make the butter. Um, you're getting a wider range of cannabinoids in the butter. On the butter, okay. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think that contributes to, like, the more That's more sleepy. Yeah. yeah it's, it's got the full spectrum in there if you take a, either BHO or a... a THC distillate and mix it with sugar it's just down to the one thing right and so I see it's kind of a flatter experience but it's a little buzzy or whatever but uh it just comes and goes it just washes right out especially yes. if you eat a little CBD at the end of it like mm, interesting I, I think I prefer that better yeah me too yeah. that's my, my personal preference I don't but, you know if I was stuff. in if I was in pain or if I had a hard time sleeping then the oil stuff is going to be a lot better you know? absolutely yeah. well and that's why I'm trying to make mental note of it is uh you know, using sugar-based stuff, unfortunately. You know, we've done it with xylitol, too, but... Does that work? It does, yeah. But uh, you can't eat too much of it, or else it'll give you gastro distress. <laughs> so, yeah, we've made candy for diabetics and stuff before. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's uh, that would seem to be uh, an option. Diet candy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you can also pack so many more cannabinoids into oil. Like, uh, cannabinoids don't really want to dissolve into sugar. You can suspend them, but they don't blend evenly. Mm-hmm. Or they, yeah, they blend, but they don't totally bond or dissolve. So, 
you can just really pack them. Yeah, there's no coconut end oil. to the amount that you can put in coconut oil. Yeah. So I'd imagine that's why like fico and stuff is really so heavy is because you're really getting the full yeah you're getting all the CBN and the, all of the yeah. Yeah, degradation byproducts, especially how they're making it. Right, if they heat it up a lot, it'll be super sleepy. Have you guys ever incorporated like uh, stems or roots in any products that you guys do? Uh, you know, we haven't, but um, I have a friend who makes a bath bomb that she uh, does a hydrocarbon extraction of the roots, and it's really effective. I mean, you get out of that tub and you're dizzy. You're just spinning. Um, she says that you shouldn't eat that extract, that it's not good for you to eat, but if it comes in through the skin, it's okay. Interesting. There's this, there's a, yeah, there's some great stuff there, but we haven't really delved into it yet. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know what those compounds are. I'm not, You're like, I'm not even sure if they're cannabinoids. We, <laughs> yeah, they might just be some kind of alkaloid. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Heavy salts from your, yeah. your last from your water. Yeah. <laughs> from the miracle Grow. <laughs> it's actually made out of roots organic. It doesn't have anything to do with the roots themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, what's the future then for you guys where are you going towards and are you going to continue in this situation in the collaboration yeah, Cloudway, where mm-hmm. is, is the future yeah like we were talking about earlier bringing in the mm-hmm. suite of expertise that none of us had all parts of it but no and then like you guys you guys said you have help now uh because of the yeah so when we were like putting the irrigation mm-hmm. in the field we could talk to a hydrology engineer we didn't just have to no that's great. watch some youtube videos or whatever and um so what's the first thing that we're sort of doing here um now that we've got the logo we got the plants in the field we're uh at the far west garden show this week um okay. i think it's the 21st through the 23rd i think there's only there's one other like hemp nursery that's going to be there there's some venture capitalists and stuff like that but i think it's a good show for us because um hemp and cannabis are really boring on the floor of the indo expo but they'll be really <laughs> exciting when everything else is like arbovite and right. japanese maples right 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 yeah. absolutely yeah so if you want to see these guys and you're in the portland area definitely check that out you said that's wednesday yeah it starts wednesday through friday yeah okay that's great and uh what do you guys hope to uh you know get out of this um, are you trying to... So I'm hoping to meet nursery owners from okay. around the country, especially in states that um, are going to be good for growing hemp, like people from Tennessee or whatever, and uh, talk to them about supplying them with clones and seed for next year. Um, for local people that might already be involved, I mm-hmm. want to talk to them about uh, what are their solution for drying and processing their crop this year, see if we can't work with them. And those are two big resources for people. You know, if you are needing clones and stuff or you're a newer farm then that's something to check out especially with the drying too yeah so i could use a service like that and i'm not even a farm (laughs) well the the greenhouses all are going to be emptied out and so we can just put that's perfect crop in the greenhouse and so uh you know maybe in the future we can ship the clones to tennessee and the biomass comes back and Uh, that's great you know yeah, because not every farm is going to want to process or have no. that infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, and not every farm, depending on where you are in the country, maybe your weather in the spring isn't so good for starting your plants. Yeah. Just like uh, up here in northern Oregon, like I buy my tomato plants because right. they don't start well around here. But if you're down in California, you can just throw seeds in your garden. Well, yeah, and we're so lucky even in the southern Oregon area. I, I can just grow everything from seed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, really, it's really a cheap venture. Right? It's, it's really climate, cheap, right? yeah. <laughs> 
you know? yeah, I mean, if you're like a 200 acre farm and you're trying to put in some hemp plants, but you don't have greenhouses, like it might not be worth you building a greenhouse to start yeah. your plant. So we can save them money, provide the service. Well, and I've, I have seen a lot of farms out there that uh, are running at a scale that they can't then dry because the, the size of the warehouse or warehouses or greenhouses yeah. or whatever you're putting in is extremely. Well, at that point, though, if you're doing it that large, you start looking at the uh, hops drying um, equipment like that you can conveyor belt dry you can kiln dry oh interesting because you're not you don't care about your turp profile largely right like oh i see Uh, hemp wise you mean yeah hemp wise yeah yeah Yeah. i mean also the bigger fields like that they're actually just pelletizing like you'd see alfalfa they're just going straight into pellets oh i see okay yeah packs into barrels containers. i feel a little ignorant with the hemp thing even though it's all new new. we're we're up to our eyeballs it does seem like hemp is more like growing your average agriculture crop than the thc is it fits right into that model yeah yeah. Yeah, you don't need to hand trim hemp nugs. Yeah, you don't go out and whatever defoliate. <laughs> <laughs> Make them all pretty. No, no. <laughs> don't give them names. <laughs> sure, I bet you do. <laughs> we saw a beautiful plant that was flowering out there in the field yesterday. Yeah. Got some good pictures of that. Oh, that thing one's was beautiful. Pushing that's, along. That's the great hope right there. We're going to hit that with a little bit of pollen. We're just going to hand pollinate that with some. Uh, paintbrushes we've got one male set aside and plant a lot of that next year right if we can be, if you can be cropping long before you know this in southern Oregon, mm-hmm. if you can crop before the rain falls you're king right oh yeah yeah otherwise you got to look at going under something yep or in something taking what you get that's the, that's the thing early. about cbd is you know, like bag appeal doesn't matter so oh here comes the rain it's time to cut you get eight yeah. percent instead of nine whatever right have you guys ever actually had a chance to experience straight cbd flower like smoke it or whatever dab straight cbd oh have you yeah yeah it's is there any any immediate noticeable effects or no we were using it to showcase the terpenes like Mm -hmm. some people wanted so it can be very flavorful yeah we put the terps right on the cbd and the people who didn't want to do a regular dab would dab the cbd in it i see um CBG was much more interesting to dab. The CBD is just kind of flat; nothing mm-hmm. really happens. Mm-hmm. But the CBG was kind of like doing a having a shot of espresso or something like that. Oh, nice! A little bit of a pick me up, but kind of hmm. focused. Hmm. Interesting. I've never had any kind of CBD. I brought you some. I brought you some. Okay. Uh, Ninety-nine point nine seven. Oh wow! Oh well, thank you very much. Um, I, I do know that there's people from out of states though that are ordering uh, CBD flour from from Oregon. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it would be like weed that didn't work right if it's high cbd maybe it makes the other weed that you're going to smoke not work as no well, well and it, it's funny because i see that you know i see the people actually getting more frustrated that order that stuff and well, they, a lot of they people order it, it they turn good. around and they sell it to their friends for 20 bucks a gram Bonk, right yeah. <laughs> goes back to that person i told you that bought four hundred dollar uh oh, oh yeah, yeah clones of hemp. Sure, yeah. Oh. yeah you know four huge monster organ trees at the end of the summer that gets probably shipped out and and whoever gets it's gonna really think it's crap (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) my crohn's disease feels better (laughs) (laughs) yeah that too but yeah i mean if you're using cbd and you're using it for medical reasons you don't smoke medicine i mean no doctor's ever gonna prescribe smoking something no no you think they would prescribe vaporizing though 
yeah, you know, maybe. just that tincture extract, something like that. Well, can we put it in a damn like an asthma inhaler then? If that's how yeah, we have to go. A friend mine did that then. last year. Yeah, he was coming around. He had CBD and an asthma inhaler. I mean, is that medical enough now? <laughs> I mean, I, that you could evenly dose it, and that's really a great way to mm-hmm. do medication is dosed. Like, like a little cup, you just screw right on. Yeah, yeah. Just and atomize like, it or whatever. A bong hit is great. I know it works as good medicine when I'm feeling ill or whatever, but yeah, it never the prescription, never the... No, but I would argue, though, that it is a good medicine, even smoked. It, oh, it works sure. fast for me because, you know, I unfortunately still have occasionally stomach troubles in the morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, no matter what I do, I can go on a strict diet of nothing that would bother your stomach for a month and it just i don't know i'm definitely open to different options right now i have to it doesn't happen all the time but like this morning it did i got up at six i was pretty sick and i had uh, a king cake that you guys left us oh yeah and yeah just so you know it uh, is very good for uh nausea um, yeah, it knocked it's it out. a really comfortable flower. I can't wait to that again. It was. It was within three or four minutes, I was fine. And I'm like, that really means a lot to me because with the, all the strains that Sarah and I get to try, literally, I'd say 70%-ish of them don't help me with nausea. That's good enough. Um, which, that could be my chemistry. But it just, for me, it, it shows me that not every strain is going to be a certain... Yeah, effect on me, right. and and so I make mental notes of the strains that do help me with nausea because I like to keep those around. So it's yeah. the th- <laughs> thing that's interesting about king cake is uh, in the terpene content, it's really high in osamine, like the terpene that you mm-hmm. get in basil or whatever. So mm-hmm. maybe. Um, if you're looking at the terpene reports for the ones that are affected yeah. with you, take a look for osamine and see if that's helpful. I will, and I have been trying to, with the ones that do supply the, the uh, terpenes, I'll keep note of it, but some flower, a lot of flower actually does not have the terpene profiles. Yeah. The concentrates will, but the flowers I find don't really have yeah, they, that info. It gets an extra charge when you get the analysis done. So, um, I don't know. That's But the king cake forward. works great. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. It is good to know. It makes um, me real hungry when I eat it. Does it? Yeah. Get the munch yeah, I get the munch. <laughs> I know some, no, some of those do that thing. Yeah. And some strains do that where I just get the munchies and get tired. Just Yeah. This is some old school. <laughs> now, you guys are running four rec plants. Or not rec plants. Four personal plants. Um, and those are THC. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, look very beautiful. Thank you. One of them is an Oregon blueberry. Yeah. Yeah, the Oregon blueberry. There's a uh, overflow. Rude Boy OG number seven. That one looked really nice That's too. Really nice. Yeah. yeah. And the White Tahoe cookies. Mm-hmm. And those are under lights right now. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. all from uh, Archive Genetics, so they're high quality. We smoked all the flour before we bought the clones, mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah, I think we put the, those went into the ground in mid-April. And they're in hundred-gallon pots with, uh, I think it's just filled with booze blend. Isn't yeah, it? Or, yeah, the baby booze. So baby you really booze. haven't fed it anything except for compost. Uh, we give it a little bit of salt-based stuff, but not much at all. That's great. And it was just soil that you guys had here. Uh, well, it's the booze. Oh, baby booze. booze blend. Uh, okay. So yeah. we're gonna actually use the. We'll we'll top dress and put a cover crop on those pots and just keep buying. We'll use those pots again next season. That's great. That's great. And I, hopefully we get a chance to uh, help you uh, produce some seeds with that Oregon blueberry. Oh, I'd love yeah. that, man. Yeah. yeah, we're excited about that so much. Yeah, that's that classic flavor of the nineties. I know, and it might you know might have a hand in making that strain for Oregon rooted that <laughs> I've been <laughs> yeah. so hoping for. <laughs> that would be fun. 
It's Inst- Cloud Wave underscore Organics yeah, on at, IG. On Instagram. And then, Do you uh, have the website set up yet? It should be set up by Wednesday. Actually, I think we're, um, Monday we're supposed to take a look at the mock-up. Okay. So in the next couple of weeks. www.cloudwaveorganics.com yeah, uh, will be up and running. Um, mm-hmm. You can reach me through email. I'm Matthew at cloudwaveorganics.com. I'm Bryce, Bryce. at cloudwaveorganics.com. Okay. And I'm sure these guys can answer any questions. I'd be happy to talk to anybody who wants to talk to me. Yeah. And, and everybody knows where they stand now. So, um, uh, And these are really good people to work with. We've these you guys were the first farm that we came to, and that'll always be like a special. That was a fun trip. That was a good day. That was was a great day. day. It really was, and it was it was really sad to see. Really proud to see you guys doing well and going places, but it was definitely a heartbreaker to. Oh my god, it was so hard, dude. Yeah, I felt bad that we couldn't have you know. You know the 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 response from the community was just overwhelming because I had spent a lot of time by myself out in the countryside and. uh, I didn't realize, you know, I didn't have a lot of contact with people and the fact that these people knew who I was and knew who we were and cared enough to, you know, make their presence felt really, uh, it really, uh, buoyed the spirits, right? Like if we had to, if I had to go through that alone, I'd, whatever, I'd probably be living under a bridge somewhere right now. (laughs) That'd make me even more sad. (laughs) (laughs) That guy under the bridge. All right, so we're going to go cho- enjoy Portland today and hang out with you guys a little bit, going down to the market. And we will be working with you guys. I'm sure people will see products from you guys and through us, too, as well. Yeah, yeah. as we start to bring stuff to market, you know, uh, we'll, we'll uh, keep you in the loop. For sure. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks Thank for having you. us.